It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, I'm super excited because we have somebody that I look up to a ton in this fitness space uh, on with us. Brian and I are here with, with James Fitzgerald from OPEX. James, how are you, man? I am good. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you taking taking the time, man. And we were fortunate enough, of course, to have uh, Carl on a couple of weeks ago. And so hopefully most of our listeners were able to, to catch that episode to hear about all the great things that OPEX is doing and including the new LearnRx and things like that. That was really cool to dive into. Um, but uh, with with you, James, man, I've been following uh, a lot of, of your stuff um, and actually was a big dogs blog uh, athlete for a long time going back in the day. And so I'm excited to finally get to talk with you a little bit more about uh, some of your thoughts on, on some uh, pertinent topics that Brandon and I came up with for the day. But uh, I was hoping you could maybe give our listeners, so for those who maybe don't know, know you uh, that well. Uh, a little bit of synopsis of, of kind of like your background and how you got to where you are with OPEX today. Yeah. Um, well, just so people know exactly what I do on a day-to-day, my main goal right now is uh, educating coaches. That's I'm a base, I'm, a, I'm an educator, um, I'm a teacher, um, and uh, that's pretty much my role. My role is to, uh, is to think big picture, to kind of look at what's happening out there, and to kind of ensure that what I'm trying to teach to coaches today um, is going to allow them to navigate where they're going out there. So that's that's pretty much my, you know, to bring it up to speed for currently to today. Uh, the, the short but long ass story to get to that point is the classic model of, uh, you know, loving exercise, uh, falling in love with it for different reasons, and uh, then wanting to investigate it. Uh, becoming technically wise in understanding exercise <clears throat> and uh, and then putting it into practice, training people, putting it into business formats, um, and then developing systems over time from that practice. And then from those systems, you can develop an education, right? And that's what I started to do and tip my toes into. And uh, that became successful. So we put, you know, all of our efforts into that being the, the transition over time. So that's the that's the short and dirty as uh, to how, how that gets me to today. Awesome, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, my first exposure to 
you know, what you got, you were doing was, was through actually uh, some blog programming that you had put out that was, uh, that had some tears to it that I thought that I really fell in love with because it fit me and my goals um, where there were, uh, you know, geared toward fun- function or geared towards more general fitness. And then more of like a competitive type of, uh, of almost like CrossFit competition style programming that had some, uh, you know, doubles and, and multiple sessions a day. Um, and, and so I really, you know, that's my first iteration into what you were doing. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I want to go all the way back to to your competition days. You know, you're fairly, uh, you know, a, a fairly accomplished CrossFit athlete yourself back in the day, winning the first games, man. So, what? Talk to me about how you found like CrossFit, or what? Like, what was that start for you? Yeah. Uh, so I had a client who was a fighter who uh, uh, had this is 2004. Uh, who was um, he went to a camp a fighting camp and uh, mentioned that some of the people at the fighting camp were doing this thing called CrossFit spawned out of California. And uh, he said, uh, Hey Fitz, you should check this out. And so being the gym geek and the person who's highly interested in everything that's going on in fitness, um, I uh, put my toes into it and then I went full on inside of it. So uh, that's pretty much how I got inside of that kind of uh, the, the CrossFit uh, uh, game pretty much is yeah. uh, tipping my toes in it and then going full on doing the workouts every day. And, uh, and then adding that whole things, all the things that I was learning, um, to my own repertoire, to my clients repertoires, um, adding it as a, let's call it a tool. Uh, I saw CrossFit initially as a, a really interesting way of doing work and, um, a long-term investigation of, the, the deepest aspects of concurrent training. I always saw those two things right from the get-go as being, I, I like to say, like, I immediately saw that there was like 50 years of work in trying to finagle with this concurrent method with this new scheme. That's what I saw it as. And ironically, we're almost 20 years later, and I am right that there's still not a lot of answers inside of how to put all that shit together. For sure. Uh, so that's where yeah. I think it landed. So how, yeah, how, um, how soon after you got into it, or when did, when did the, the idea that you could um, take more instead of falling? I know you had mentioned a little bit, you kind of jumped full in, we're doing the workouts and then kind of expanded on that. At what point did you start to see that maybe I need to be tweaking this for each person a little bit more? And I want to lead that into a little bit more of this idea of the difference between individualization and scaling and, and get into that a little bit. Cause I know that's a little bit of a hot topic lately. Um, so, so as you kind of figured, I wanted to lead in there. Um, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about what, how, how did your experience lead you to start to investigate more of this true individual design versus yeah. simply scaling? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think that, uh, um, and I'm trying not to get too, uh, uh, emotional about the uh, the concept that that actually is a thing we're talking about today. It's like I'm like I'm in fantasy land when I have those discussions. It's like you know two plus two is not four anymore. That's the same thing that I'm thinking about when when people say that that CrossFit is individualized. Um, so remember that the 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 that was that was baked into my principles prior to CrossFit. Right. So, you know, I'll just give you a timeline sequence of it as a coach Uh, in the mid 90s. um, There was lots of people around who were severely interested in this whole concept of, you know, what will strengthen the conditioning do beyond the performance arena? Like people were getting more aware of the fact that 
you could do leisure strength training and conditioning and actually get some health benefits. Now, I know to today, it may, that may sound crazy, but that was a new, very interesting notion. And so I was a trainer who came through that. So all of us were, were baked with the idea that you treat everyone based upon how they present, right? How they present, meaning, you know, what is their nervous system capabilities? What is their adaptation rates? What are they capable of in skills? How do they learn behaviors? Um, you know, uh, what is their general capabilities? Like all these things were, were already baked in. So, you know, quasi coming into the intense model and then seeing it as a different tool, I had a decade of experience of only knowing the righteous way, in my opinion, which is everyone gets what they need to get based upon how they present in capability. Um, and so it was very easy for me then to see this new method of concept of delivering work capacity or something else or concurrent methods and then go, geez, I should probably start to tweak this to make it individualized as much as possible right from the get-go. Um, and the blog was actually an example that you previously mentioned, was an opportunity for me to be creative on sharing with the world these ideas, right? There's, they were just ideas. So anyone could just extract things and go, interesting, there's a different way to do this that might work well for me or that might work well for someone else. So it's essentially a form of individualization, but spread on a, on a larger level. Awesome. No, I think we, you know, and Brandon, I know it, uh, I'll let you kind of chime in here. I think we try to take that, that, that makes so much sense to us um, as hybrid kind of coaches and PTs, because that's exactly how we operate within the PT world. You know, we're one-on-one -on -one for all of our patient visits and you know, PT side of things. And it's like, you know, every knee that comes in, even every, every post-op ACL, something that you can make it as specific as you want. Each person is still so unique and their rate of progression rate of adaptation is going to be different. Yeah, the protocols are, it's great to have maybe a framework that, that suggests, you know, at the six week mark, at the 12 week mark, we might see these different things, but you're still treating and it still equals one. There's still a, a very much a unique person. And I know we try to brand, we try to, to take that approach with each patient. And so when I came across, you know, the OPEX model of training um, versus, you know, the, you know, traditional CrossFit model, it just made so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I, I did want to touch on something you, you had thrown in there a little bit about, um, you know, the... This idea of uh, performance versus, you know, maybe longevity. And, and, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on are, are these two ideas of trying to maximize performance and try to you know, focus more on the long haul or fitness over the lifespan there? Is it something that really can be um, are they mutually exclusive or is it something along the lines if you're going to try to maximize performance, you're, you're just acknowledging that I'm, I'm going to have pieces missing from more of this like longevity element? Or if I want to focus on longevity, I'm just going to sacrifice potentially reaching my genetic potential performance wise. Or are there ways that we can kind of have a little bit of both here? Yeah, no, you can't. Um, to make it really simple. Um, that's my belief. And after my years of experience, personally experimenting with it and putting a number of people through the grinder, um, I could tell you on the back end, no, it doesn't actually work out when the, when you actually objectively measure what your definitions is of general health and what your definitions is of vitality. Um, but I'm going to seg. I'm not going to segue. I'm going to include into the individualized conversation because this is where the 
this is where the rub comes in with regards to individualization is that when you want to talk about scaling as an example, it does fit into this because uh, scaling is under the presupposition that we want everyone to get the similar dose response. And all you have to do is go up or down, complex or simple to basically get that dose response. I am, I'm at the, uh, my presupposition coming into that is I'm questioning, should you even get that dose response? Why? Because my definition of intentions coming into exercise expression is always for people to live long and prosper. So, and this is where the performance vitality curve intersects, right? And as much as it's hard to like comprehend or get a hold of, or you actually believe in the CrossFit intense model is all under the presupposition that performance is the, is the answer, right? The whole thing is based upon performance, right? The, the entire ship actually can't even stand up culturally if they don't have the games, this is, this is proof now, right? So if they don't have sensationalism, the whiteboard competitions, scores, et cetera, it will fall flat, right? Why? Because culturally it has to be pushed on sensational acts of dot, dot, dot performance. You know what I'm saying? So, so you can see if it's all baked on performance, we're going to reach philosophical bedrock in the conversation of like, you know, well, what's What should someone do to be vital is like, well, I think they should do this uh, scale and metcons and be consistent and and don't eat sugar. Okay, <laughs> what happens if you study this like I did and looked at it and spoke to a lot of coaches after ten years and recognized that whole system that you thought was going to work actually decreased retention, actually resulted in people plateauing after a couple of years, and actually resulted in people reaching their potential too early. Right. And now they got 60 years left of fucking living and they got to try to figure out how to organize this thing now. So you can hear it in my voice. It's really important to the people that are not talking about these things. Right. And we're right. dealing with them. Right. We're, 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 we're rehabbing brains and bodies now for the next 40 years for that experiment of putting up, putting people through this quasi performance thing. Right. And forgetting that it was just a veil that we put over it to make it look sensational. So I would propose a whole new thinking and conversation of asking questions like I propose, right? How many times do you want to work out for your life? That's what you should start with. And if your answer to that is, oh, I want to work out forever, then continue on with that, right? What does that mean? Does that mean you want to like actual bench press and deadlift and squat when you're 85? Oh, yeah, yeah, like we're going to. How many people actually do that with 20 years of intense activity? Zero, right? Zero, not 1%, zero. And so don't allot, well, it's because of accessibility or they don't have the right program or there's not a trainer in their area. That's horseshit, right? The reason why they don't do it is that they overachieve in their potential when they have all these resources, right? And they never even considered to ask the question, which is something that seems very unpopular, why would you want to fucking talk about working out for 60 years? Why? Because that's where you're going to find the truth in, in what's called the vital model. The vital model has elements of consistency, rhythm, working out every day, moving because you can, moving because it's for you, right? And it contains nothing, nothing that's similar to the performance model. So yes, it is exclusionary. 
right? And I call them diverging roads of intentions. If you want to be an athlete, as you know, Josh and Brandon, I will support you 100%. I will also not lie to you. I will not embed any notions of health. I'm not going to tell you, oh, your hormones are going to get better. Oh, you're going to balance insulin a whole lot better. Oh, you're not going to need an orthopedic surgeon when you're 46 like I did. No, 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 no. don't, you know, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to tell you, listen, pleasure, pain, points, prizes. Let's fucking go for this. Let's, let's go 100%, all in. Show me what you got, right? But if you're like, oh, and I'd like to be healthy, stop. Like, it's a, stop. We're not even, we're not, we got to, <laughs> we got to back way up way back up, right? And talk about what is vital, right? So, oh, I want to be healthy and compete. It makes no sense. There's no such thing. So these two things must diverge in conversation. Um, Last point, listen, I'm empathetic because I know, because I sold it. So I know what it's like to push the notion, how, how inspiring or how motivating the performance paradigm can be. Right. We and we want to inject all of it into our practices. You too can be LeBron James. You you can be an athlete. We're all athletes. Listen, it was all a fucking sale. That's horse shit. Right. And we forgot to see that it was a sell because it motivated people. Right. So listen, I sold that too, but we've got to be able to say it over time and recognize some of the issues that were a part of that. I would call it the diverging roads or diver, diverging roads of performance and vitality. Yeah, so it sounds like that word athlete is getting thrown around a little bit too much, almost like a participation trophy type of thing. Um, James, I have a, a quick question just to elaborate. So as we're talking about you know sustainability across CrossFit and, and this being exclusionary, um, I've heard you, I might be paraphrasing here, but I've heard you say before that CrossFit ages you. Yep. I'm assuming that means if you were to just do it by definition for 20 years, as you mentioned, would you mind elaborating on that? Or are we talking about from all systems, like you mentioned, orthopedic, musculoskeletal, are we talking the endocrine system? Like what, like what exactly do you mean by that? Cause I'm really curious that, that that's a compelling statement. For me. Yeah, for sure. It's a, uh, it's a very quick statement just to make people think about what are the underpinning things that you're getting out of this dose response of what we're calling intensity. Okay. So the number of things that you mentioned there that could occur, right? But the whole premise of the intense model, remember, is capacity as soon as we can, right? Now, that could take some argument, right? And we could be like, well, people, some people have been doing it for eight years. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, like, we, we can't even figure out the, this is where we're at the point. We can't even define what that is. But if your whole premise going into a piece of work is the highest intensity, regardless, regardless of pace, or regardless of your nervous system's ability to adapt to the contractions, you are going to get what's called compensatory adaptations based upon what you're trying to do. You're essentially doing this. And if people can't see it on the screen, you guys are going to have to describe it another way. When you come into, let's call it, I'll put it in two buckets so you can see what does and what doesn't aid you. What does aid you is the intense model. When you come into a session, this is where you're at. What you're trying to do is to get here. That's in every one of those sessions, right? And we know what this means, you know, try to go for a 1RM, try to get more on your 5RM, try to do a few more reps in an AMRAP. It doesn't matter if you're slowing down after 10 minutes, you just got to go harder. The suffering is where everything, like all of those notions is doing this. It's making you overreach. And these are soft things. Right. People are like, oh, it's no big deal. It's changing behaviors, it's changing attitudes. 
people get really lean in six months. Yeah, but what happens after 30 years, right? 30 years of trying to go too far in each session. So you know what you're going to get? And I'll give you the example of the other model. We'll call it the OPEX model. Here's where you are. Do you know what you're going to get? You're going to get this today. It's just in front of you. It's just in front of you. Why? So that you can actually adapt. You can feel it, touch something that's just in front and go, okay, okay. I'm going to build all the things that are necessary now to adapt to this new stressor, right? If you're always doing this, you're going to create what I just call loosely again, what you mentioned and all the underpinnings of endocrine, mechanical, metabolic issues that can come from that. Psychological ones, by the way, which I think is the biggest issue, right? You create Uh unsustainable behaviors in the whole process. Um, What you start creating is that your brain starts going, you know what? We need to figure out a way to keep overreaching, right? So how does it do that, right? Basically, downstream creates lactate, you know, issues at the cell level, right? You start getting leaner, but becoming more insulin resistant. Your cognitive function declines, proprioception goes down. And this is all masked because we see people getting fitter and getting leaner, right? Why? Because it should should make sense to us, right? If you provide scare tactics and intense shit for people over a period of time, you get a thermogenic response to that. Like we fucking know, we knew this for fucking 70 years, right? That's no big, that's no big thing, right? But you can see where it becomes an issue, Brandon, is the aging one is that no one wants to investigate the 20 year plan, right? No one wants to talk about it, but I'm maybe a few of one, a few who actually wants to say, whoa, like that shit didn't work for a ton of people. And that's where I land on the aging comment, right? Is that, listen, if you want to overreach and get to your potential sooner, just think of it in terms of like how many, how many bits of, of energy do you have for your lifetime? If you want to waste all of those between 25 and 35, they don't come back. They don't come back. So what do you need to do, right? Besides testosterone therapy or an orthopedic surgeon, right? You're going to have to find some form of bipolar training, which is basically what people end up doing, right? Bodybuilding and long distance cycling, because you can't do the hard shit anymore. So you can see that proved my story that that other shit of that exposure of that intense stuff ages people. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I think you just red pilled a lot of coaches who are listening to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was firing me up a little bit too. And I think the, uh, um, I do want to take a second to kind of go down each of those roads just briefly um, because the, you know, we are fortunate that we kind of have a little bit of a, a niche within our PT side of the business and our coaching side of the business where we are lucky enough um, to have a, a more active population in general, which is is awesome for us. You know, it's it, yeah, as a general outpatient orthopedic clinic, you get the whole spectrum, but we tend to get some people who are actually interested in moving themselves and moving daily and having some type of movement practice. And within that we do get a a subsection that is trying to be the athlete right now, whether it be at the local level or, or within the sport of fitness or, um, other sports, we get a ton of, uh, higher level runners and and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to actually touch more on the sport of fitness itself, because I know we have a ton of CrossFit enthusiasts that listen, um, and PTs that work in that space. And it seems like the structure for this thing that we call the sport of fitness is changing every year. It seems like we can't decide on what it needs to be. Um, but it seems like, 
this newest one, um, it, at least in my mind, it seems to make a little bit more sense uh, in terms of cr- trying to create a, a true season in that, then that, you know, there are a lot of things that still would want to adjust, but I really would like to have a true season. Um, yeah. And I feel like lately had gotten to where there is no off season. And I think that that has been an issue from the coaching side of things. Um, so I wanted to at least get your thoughts right now on the, on like the current structure of now having these various qualification stages that now include some in-person qualifications straight from open to the, the games anymore. Um, but then if you were coaching an athlete in the sport who understands that sacrifice of performance versus longevity and has decided performance is my goal. And I understand these, the, the risks and the benefits and the rewards and that thing, I want to go for it. I want to get your thoughts on like this within this current structure, how, how would you approach the training year now? Um, now that we kind of have these various stages in between and, you know, you're, you're, you're starting in February and you're ending in August. Now I would yeah. love to get your thoughts a little bit about des- designing a training year. Yeah. Well, I, I'd start with the brass, you know, tax pieces of assuming what their uh, adaptation uh, and potential is like. So you first want to ask that and assess it either if you're a coach or an athlete, right? Like, how much potential do you actually have, right? Like just physical human potential, right? And you can get that from training age, biological age, sport age, whatever. Um, And then, you know, what's your opportunity for adaptation, right? Like how fast do you learn? How much could we at least predict based upon, you know, and then, then I can at least start the process of saying things like, you know, I don't know much, but I can probably sense that you're not going to be able to handle six events over three days. Uh, I mean, I don't know much, but, I'm just kind of sensing from my intake and where you're coming from and et cetera. And your stories you'd given me and your injury profile and like what your competition experience was like. And the fact you can only do three, three ring muscle ups in a row and you're a female and you can only snatch 135 pounds. Um, these are the, these are the classic ones where we're like, okay, um, I'm going to be guessing here, but it's probably going to be a two to three year plan. So I come up with that based upon that initial, like, how fast are we going to adapt and what is your potential? Right. So if I, cause if I keep going after those questions and I see like you've ramped very quickly, you learn skills really quickly, you have an innate potential for capacity and strength. I may shorten that timeline up to like now start building a base support of like six months for the current season. And then you can kind of do your workings like, well, how far are we away from that current season? How do I move myself closer to the competitive state, et cetera, et cetera. So I would start there. Um, I would also get them on board with this concept, which is not spoken about a lot, um, of a career in the sport. Now, this is important for an athlete. Um, it does take into that consideration of adaptation and potential, but it, it like stretches out the horizons because everything is so squirrely inside of that sport and multiple other sports today that you, you could lose people very quickly and you can compete every weekend and they, you're ending up, you know, just competing everyone every weekend. And all you're doing is weeding everyone out and you're just going to end up burning out, you know, 97% of everyone and keeping the 3% and just marketing your 3% be like, my program works, you know, um, and take it from me. That doesn't work over time. <laughs> um, but uh, you could still see there's a lot of programs out there that still do that. Um, so I would do that is like, say, oh, hey, okay, you're 23. Um, this is, you know, what a season looks like in the sport. Are we agreeing upon that? Okay. This is what the competitive, like stepwise progression to get to the sport looks like. Are we agreeing upon that? Okay. This is the timeline of the competitive season, right? So you can say then, 
you know, for you and your capabilities and where you're starting out and where you are, you're probably not even going to enter into the quarterfinals area. And they're like, yeah, I guess. So this is our season. Do you see that? It starts on this date. It ends on this date. These are the things inside that we need to prepare for. Now, the reason why I'm making that point of like talking about a career for people is you can build out a year and then two years, three years, four years, five years, and just fucking don't be afraid of like laying it down on paper and saying, this is what we need to get into, right? Because if that athlete recognizes, listen, this year, all I need to get really good at is competing once a week on every Monday afternoon to the best of my capabilities for six weeks in a row, I got this. Do you see that? So I'm setting them up for what? What the sport actually entails for them based upon their development, right? So this all will get laid out if you actually talk about the question of career, longevity, why are we doing this? What are the intentions, et cetera? Um, And I think after that, Josh, it's probably going to get a little bit more specific and individualized on skills, capacity, bucketing, mechanics versus metabolism, resilience, lifestyle, KPIs, where they sit on those. And that can get lengthy and I won't, uh, I won't drown out that conversation. Yeah. I love that though. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. While we're on this topic of the sport of fitness and recent changes, I, I, was it this year was the first year they did the teenage division at the games? Or has that been going on for a couple of years now? It's been going on for a while. Yeah. Okay. No, they've had a couple I'm, of years, I'm, I think. I'm a casual, yeah. sorry. Um, but any thoughts about that, about um, you know, these, these kids getting started um, that 13, 14-year-old age, maybe even sooner than that? <clears throat> You're really trying to push out all the uh, punches today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's disgusting to be completely honest. Um, I think it's a, an adult model slapped upon people that are not at full development, um, and I think it's going to result in burning out uh, a whole ton of individuals that you're never going to hear about uh, because by the time they get to their naturally built uh, prefrontal cortex or endocrine system, by the time they're in their twenties, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Uh, and most studies would show now, even from new generations, the prefrontal cortex maximization is not into the late 20s. Um, yeah. we, can't, we can't turn our back on that. So if you're not willing to turn your back on that and you're not willing to say things like, well, geez, they are, they're not going to have the resources to apply this adult model of competition, then why are you doing it whatsoever? But uh, the reason why it's, it's uh, probably really important is that it'll pull the house down if you don't have some form of recruitment or, um, you know, uh, popularity system um, that that's that's you know steeped inside that says oh you can too end up like Matt Fraser and this is the role to get there uh, when you're 13 you just accompany your parents to a CrossFit gym you start doing the classes and then if you're good enough then you can compete every year in here and here's your age group category oh don't worry we're taking into consideration safety and exposure development because we scale it or we just change loads. And that, in my opinion, is disgusting. That's actually uh, a disgusting method of physical sacrifice, in my opinion, for bodies that are not developed and have no business getting into mechanical and metabolic uh, uh, fatigue. So with that being said, I guess maybe just thinking big picture, just large scale for you know, parents out there, for example, like what, how, what would you recommend getting started? Just just because I, I think about I'm a physical therapist, mainly, right? So for kids getting started mom, in the sport. Honestly, just fitness because I think about I, I, that's a that's a simple answer. Pop- Sorry, that's a simple answer. Yeah. Um, is you have to define to your kids what fitness is, mm-hmm. right? So you, if you, a parent, can't define fitness yourself in my previous notions of the vitality model, 
you have no business trying to educate a child on what fitness is, right? Most parents today still think fitness is a fix for a shitty lifestyle, right? So uh, we got to be careful of being, being like, well, if, if I'm a parent of a child, no, you got to, you got to stop at that. It's like, well, what do you think fitness is? Right. And then you'll find your answers because what should fitness be? Fitness should be physical challenges every day, dot, 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 that allows you to do these physical challenges for the next 70 years. Right. So that's not too hard to come up with what those strategies are for kids for fitness. I I lump it into two simple things. um, And that just allows at least you to kind of figure out, well, what does that look like from a 13 year old? Like I'm going through with my kids, right? 15 and 12 year old females. I'm asking those questions. And it's as simple as this. It's physical system pattern challenges, along with some form of pacing challenges. Now, so for example, one of my daughters, Hannah, she gets physical system mechanical challenges through rock climbing, right? And she does that with me, right? And we do some rolling together. Uh, I'm probably the, the worst instructor for any t- form of jujitsu. So don't come, you know, screaming at me if, you, if I can't do that shit correctly. I'm just trying my best. But my <laughs> girls and I do some of that. That's their other option for that right? But they also play tennis. They also play soccer, right? So you can see that's their form of quote unquote pacing as their balance in that, right? So that's their fitness. Their fitness needs to be some form of mechanical challenges and metabolic pacing challenges. And where that doesn't align with the previous notion of like intense fitness is that intense fitness, remember, is on a presupposition that these things should come together. And this is where all the enlightenment occurs, right? Right. You got to mesh those two really intensely and then everything spawns from it. The way I'm saying it, I can't even believe I fell for that, but that's how it's sold, right? It'll fix all of those other things. So what to do for kids for fitness, get them to fall in love with recognizing physical challenges that are in systems of mechanics and systems of pacing. And if they recognize that, quote unquote, their hockey practice four times a week is their pacing scenario, and then they do push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and lunges out back, right, as their mechanic scenario, you got yourself someone who's embedding behaviors that will last forever, right? And of course, we can get really specific underneath that. And I do. I do have education that I teach people in Brand X Method based upon a developmental model of this good fitness backing, but I'll just stop there. And I apologize that I cut you off on it, but it was a train of thought that I had to I had to discuss for it. No, that, that was great. I mean, because part part of what you said in the beginning too is it sounds like it, it's always important to to be that model as a parent, right? Get involved with them like you do with rock climbing, jujitsu, and then you know I was I was just thinking just majority of the population is is just, is just not active, not sedentary. So a lot of times my mind always goes back to okay, as long as as long as they're moving, as long as they're doing something they enjoy, let's encourage that that sort of thing. But right. I do realize that you can only do that for so long. So that was my other thought with that. Yeah, this goes back to our initial starting conversation, right? Of the sport and vitality model, right? We just have to recognize why it's so shiny, right? That we want to sell the performance model. Because we always end up on this, I call it apathy. It's an apathetic, mediocre uh, uh, landing, right? Is like, yeah, but James, people are moving, and I say fuck that to that commentary, right? Because if you if you go down that road, and you're going to end up saying, oh, it's fine that my daughter's playing soccer six times a week because they're just moving, and now she's 14 with an ACL injury, 
You see what I'm saying? It's like that apathetic conversation fucking got you there. Instead, what you should have said was like, no, 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 no. We need to do some strength training to balance out those three soccer practices in the week. Why? Because it's not about just moving. It's about intentional conscious movement, right? You see that? That's the difference in it. So I want to hear on the side of like your point, which I thought about a lot is like, James, stop fucking complaining. You know, it's, it's making people move, which is always the argument you get back, right? When people are like, oh, you don't want kids. You just don't want kids in fitness. It's like, fuck you. That's not, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. I'm actually having the balls to give the right kind of prescription for kids, right? Because I actually care. You're the one who's just not taking the extra steps to critically think about what those things should be. And so I actually care more, really in the back end by saying, no, I just want you to be intentional with those practices. All fair points, right? Yeah. To that intent for sure. Yeah. I love it. I kind of want to, I kind of want almost like, you know, we've gone down the, okay, we went down this, this sport route and that morphed into kind of either sport or fitness as it relates to long-term athletic development. But, um, I want to talk about a different population. And this is a population that, of course, we see in the clinic a lot. And that is people who have either currently are or have been doing more of a group class model. And they are doing more of an intense intensity type model training. And they're now reaching that point where they're recognizing maybe this isn't the end all be all because that might be why they're seeing us. Right. They're starting to come in you know, quote unquote broken from, or, or something along those lines, or they, they've, they've plateaued for a while, whatever the case may be, they're starting to move out of it. Um, yep. And so the thing, I feel like the thing that keeps people within that model a lot of times is what they perceive to be this, this community aspect, the shared suffering, this, this uh, part piece of accountability potentially and social aspect of it. And so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on how do we maybe maintain some of those things that might be important to that individual individual like the, so the, the social aspect of it the 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 doing stuff we like a little bit of competitive vibe to it how do we fit that into more of an individual model to still give them maybe a piece of that um and, but also make sure it is more of what they need like can we do that uh yeah. you know because i feel like that's that's where i when i try to talk to people about what we are doing here from a training perspective which is more of the individual design model um that that's a, a big thing I'm, I'm trying to make sure I balance is, is how do I help make that transition easier for them to keep them interested and make sure that they are enjoying what they're doing? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I fucking don't care about feelings. That's backroom talk for coaches. But no, we need to be honest about that. Is that if we if we're taking that into consideration as the presupposition all the time and intentions of exercise prescription, we're being we're being bad fucking professionals. Right. We're, we're supposed to be the professionals that are saying, listen, I know you may feel this way about community and love and connection and all that, but I know the physicality and physical vitality. I know it better than you. I'm actually a fucking expert in this. So it's not that I'm going to take your feelings into consideration, but I'm going to tell you the fucking truth, right? And here's the truth. That community shit is only there as a motivational tool to keep you coming back, right? Period. So you got to find out ways that you can change. So the coach needs to change their mentality. That's where it changes. It's not coming up with strategies by reading books on motivational theories. That's going to get people like to find a new way of motivation through this different modality, right? Or this different thing. That's not, that's going to end up in, in, in death as well. 
So you're going to have to back up and talk about behaviors and intentions and mindset with people on the concept of why they're exercising. If you don't continually go back and forth with that when you initially meet with someone and you just, you're just like, oh, we'll take 30 minutes and we'll get to the bottom of this, you're not going to get to the bottom of it. You're going to have to continually keep asking the question, why are you exercising? Why are we doing this? What's our reasoning behind this, right? And if you don't get to the point where they recognize they should be exercising because it's for them and it's because it's, it's uh, uh, because they can actually do it, then you can wrap it with all those other things and you're still going to get poor results, right? So the whole concept of community-driven and working out with other people, we all have to recognize that that was something that was placed and injected inside the system to keep people motivated. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right. So where do you find the halfway and the balance in there? It's my previous point of how to fix that. You've got to have long ass conversations around the philosophy of their intentions of exercise. You have to. So you have to do this, like stop talking. I need to say my point and I need to ask you some really hard questions, right? And I, I listen again, I know how hard it is because uh, you know, there's lots of different pressures as a professional inside of fitness, right? People will go down the street, people will find something cheaper, people will find, you know, something that's more squirrely. Um, you know, they're not gonna love me, right? Coaches have issues with fear of missing out or imposter syndrome. It all ends up in this fucking place where you're like, I'll do whatever it takes to keep you, you know? And we just need to be brave enough to be like, listen you can't have these intentions in the exercise program. I know you've never been told this, but you can't. So this is the, the branch I would, I would give to a coach, right? Let me just tell you, there's fucking numerous ways that people can get excited about exercise that's nowhere connected to physical salvation. Numerous ways. Like I could fucking list a hundred different ways that could make people get excited around exercise and it has nothing to do with those notions of community support and suffering together. Remember, that was an injected, it was an injected, honestly, a propaganda route to keep people connected to coming back to the cortisol drip. Because they knew if people kept coming back to the cortisol drip, they would need to drink from the fountain, right? Oh, that's keeping people consistent. You see how it's all like soft words thrown in, right? And so then, and listen, I know that that's the truth because when I started mentioning this, these kind of words that like community is bullshit, it's just basically a veil to keep people propagating this motivational scenario. People got really pissed off. That's when you know you're speaking of truth is when people are like, uh, you're a fucking asshole. Uh, you just want to, you just want to rip down the system. Uh, you're just sore because you lost in 2009. Like that's when I knew that I was onto something when I would mention those things like I am mentioning so clearly, I hope, on how to get people around intentions of exercise, it goes back to those behaviors and mindset right from the beginning in a long ass conversation. Um, so I hope that you could see there that it's not, it's not that you don't fucking care about feelings, but you want to rewire feelings, right? You want to like give them the opportunity to make them recognize, you know what? I've been thinking about this whole strategy differently, right? And you're the only person now that's possibly going to give them an opportunity to see this whole thing differently. And that's what I think you'll open up if you go back to that conversation piece and say, 
No, these are the reasons why we do it. Now, on the back end, Josh, which we know to be true, and it's actually beta proof happening in all of our OPEX gyms today. And ironically, it's been going on for 40 years, but no one wants to talk about it. There's a shit ton of people who work out together on their own fucking program and they're happy as shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they're not suffering together. And they actually like, I don't know, exchange phone call, phone numbers, have conversations on politics, you know, pat each other on the back. Like this actually has been happening for 50 years, but all of a sudden we're like, oh no, fucking, we got to all fucking do the same thing for 12 minutes. And if we don't, you know, everyone will just be in a lorn in a corner on a fucking Bursa climber. Uh, no, that's not the case. Uh, sorry to be lengthy on that one, but um, I just want to make mention that the whole concept and notion of community is, is gross. I feel like you just like went through three bullet points of the definition of a cult there. And that, uh, <laughs> well, I could go on. Should I? Well, it's, uh, there has yeah. to be dogmatic notions. There has to be dissent. Right. Um, and there has to be, what's the other D I forgot about the other D despotism, maybe another D. Um, yeah. Gotta look that one up. Yeah, I know. Um, it's all, no, it's I, all baked inside, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I love, I love that. It just continually makes me every time I, I, I get a chance to hear you talk about that kind of stuff. It makes me start to think more about my own coaching practice and and ways I need to keep continuing to tweak and improve myself to to uh, you know be able to illustrate uh, you know some of those points a little bit more clearly. Because I think as uh, you know, as a business owner, sometimes it does get tough in that term of of. I don't want to say it's a fear, but you're also you're looking at some of the numbers of retention of things, and you want to make sure that's so high. And it's sometimes hard to trust that that's going to take care of itself. Focus yeah. more on the principles that you need to print, focus on. Um, it, it's it, it, that that to me is, a, a, I guess, an internal struggle. I think as a like the coaching side of me and knowing these things, but then yeah. the business owner side of me of like, well, I want to make sure that we can service everybody, and and yeah, yeah. And so that that that's definitely a struggle. I feel like for me personally. It is. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that I assume where you guys may sit in that. But that whole dependent model um, is is baked into your profession. Mm -hmm. Right. So you guys got a tough hill to climb uh, for the majority of people that are going to show up in front of you. I mean, how many people are showing up in front of you saying, listen, I got this anky anky wanky thing going on in my ankle and I'm more than willing to like change my behaviors of my lifestyle by chewing my food, getting more sunshine, drinking water, getting sleep in order for this healing to occur faster. How many people are saying that to you that show up, right? Be <laughs> uh, zero. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I mean, yeah, you I guys have a, I'm very empathetic. You guys have a very hard idea because your, your profession like fell into that problem, unfortunately, um, over time. And, uh, there's a, there's a lot of wrangling that needs to be, uh, taken in there, which I think the, I'm sorry to go off on that line, but I think if physical therapists were, uh, <laughs> use the word indoctrinated, that was the other D, um, because <laughs> you need a doctrine inside of a cult, but so if <laughs> physical therapists were indoctrinated though, with a uh, lifestyle and behavior and cognitive psych kind of, um, technical capabilities, I think, um, and like every time you saw a new person in the physical universe, um, it was well accepted that the first two sessions were all behavioral cognitive therapy. Um, I think your entire profession would change um, with regards to the outcomes for physical pain and the manifestations and where it comes from and how to treat it and et cetera. Um, and that's just someone who's not even in the system. And I could be completely off on that. But I do know that, um, you know, getting people onto this whole concept of, you know, what is consciousness? What is self? What is awareness? What is 
because that that seeps into then no susception awareness of pain where does perception come from what is resilience all this shit so you know if you if they finished by going holy shit you know what they didn't even fucking touch my ankle all they talked about was my behaviors and my perceptions i think you would end up having a whole ton of people recognize they hold the power along with you to get this change in their physical performance, right? Which we all know, I think we'd have nodding heads. We know that they have the ability to do that. It's just that it takes so much work on our behalf to be like, listen, <laughs> you really can do this, you know? It's up to you. You can be a part of this and I can help you, you know? I appreciate that feedback. And, and I'm like, in my head, I'm kind of drawing a lot of parallels between the, the, the changes in the fitness industry and how that correlates to, to us as PTs. And, 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 you know, that's your, your opinion. Like, I really appreciate that because it's like marketing 101, define who you are before someone does it for you. So, you know, for, we always like to give actionable content. So for PTs out there listening to this, you know, when it comes to where to even get started, you know, addressing these, these behavior aspects, what would you recommend? Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, depending upon how people learn, um, I would say if it's an auditory learning, that's really good for you, um, would be to dig into podcasts from, um, waking up, uh, by Sam Harris. Um, I think going that route in an auditory and listening route, um, now, for people who initially touch upon that, they may think like, how in the fuck is this going to help me with your question that I base asked? Uh, what it will do, it will open up the practitioner's mind to this whole concept of thought, uh, actions, behaviors, perceptions, and consciousness. And I think if you understand that, which, of course, in the, phys- in the physiological scientific terms would be neuroscience, neuroscience, evolutionary psychology, all these things. I think it'll like steep you with enough things. So this is the key point on that point. If you learn that way, I think that you won't be surprised. This is the key thing, right? Is that when a client comes in front of you, you're not going to be surprised by this. Be like, ah, oh, geez, I don't know. I can't figure this thing out. It'll just make more sense to you. You'll be like, okay, this is why these are your previous patterns. This is your level of resilience. This is your cognitive capabilities. Right. And on the back of your head, you're you're doing these cofactors in your assessment, right, of intelligence and cognitive behavior, which is basically allowing you to stepwise integrate what's next best for them. If it's a if it's like text material, um, I probably the reason why I'm pausing is that I actually feel bad that I wouldn't be able to provide like what I know that I've read on this. So I would just say uh, Robert Sapolsky's book, Behave would be one seminal reading if you like reading in terms of like in text form. Um, And again, the same questions will be asked, like how in the fuck is this connecting to your question on like how to get practitioners up to speed on this whole uh, area. If reading through behave, the, the, the big thing that he's trying to accomplish in that book, which I think he does an unbelievable, marvelous job of, by the way, is, is making people recognize what makes humans tick? What makes us make the decisions that we do make? And if you think about that, that seems like such a simple question, right? That is a massive question that actually couldn't be handled in a 700 page book called behave, right? So Robert does an unbelievable uh, op- you know, job of getting individuals. And this is where I think practitioners would help if they like the reading aspect 
you will start recognizing that there's so many things that lead people into making the decisions that they do make in their behaviors, right? And I'm talking like deep <laughs> things like what happened to the humans 10,000 years ago goes into our decision-making process. What happened to us with the advent of Jesus Christ goes into our decision-making process. What happened with the advent of electricity goes into that. What happened in your parents during world wars goes into your decision-making. What happens in your prenatal state goes into your decision-making. What happens in your birth goes into decision-making. What happens into your, your early ages? What happens into your development in your environment? What happens, you know what I'm saying? All of that goes into that. So you can see if, if, a, if a person was to get somewhat aware of that concept, when someone comes in and says, I got this problem, you have such a steeped, you know, knowledge of like how they came to make those decisions and behaviors, you can now eloquently, I think, again, time-wise sequence an answer for what's going to be best for them by like figuring out, right? Like maybe they don't even recognize, you know, that they're 18 and they're, they're half-baked, let's say, like Robert Sapolsky used to say, right? Like your PFC prefrontal cortex is not even maximized at 18. So if you know that as a physical therapist, right, and you got someone in front of you who's 18, you got to be careful to say things like big, abstract, major logical things, right, as to what we need to do to fix this thing, right? They're only going to understand it at a level of where their brain is. So how did you know that? You knew that because you read Sapolsky's book and you remembered that sentence. You see that? So I think those just two areas could be starting points, if I may help. And uh, I love the question and I do appreciate it because I, I really do think I probably need to like technically lay out those things for a better answer to that question uh, over time. That was fantastic. Statement, so. Oh, I know. I'm getting on. I'm or, that book will be ordered for our clinic uh, probably a few well, minutes after we get off this call. Side. You better put it yeah. on the side. I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh, man. It's robust. No, I think that 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 was an awesome answer. I was super, you know, that that was great. And I think I'll be, uh, I'm more of the auditor, or auditory person myself when it comes okay. to learning. So I think I know which route I'll probably start with. But um, no, that, that was great, man. I feel like you, you touched on so many, uh, so many great things today. And I appreciate your time, Brandon. Is there any, I know we're coming up on some, some time limitations here. So Brandon, I didn't know if there's anything else you wanted to, to touch on today, Brandon. No, I, mean, I think we had some, some really good topics on a lot of things that we can just kind of you know reflect on um, for ourselves and hopefully our listeners too. But, uh, but James, I think the, the last thing, if, if you wouldn't mind just letting the, the listeners know uh, where they should seek you out, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, looking you up, are there social medias, uh, email, anything like that? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not in uh, the social world anymore, but uh, opexfit.com is where you can get all the resources for our company and what we're trying to do. And, uh, um, we're trying to make an impact on uh, just, you know, we're trying, we're, we're almost exhausted, but we're trying to create uh, an increase in, uh, you know, changing people's perceptions of the value of coaching. Um, and uh, uh, we really are background really excited, but honestly, really tired uh, from trying to like fight that fight. We're getting, uh, we're not getting beat up, but it's just a, it's a really difficult road to make some inroads to uh, changing people's perceptions inside of this like vortex of the fitness zeitgeist um, because it's just so crazy and unregulated and, and just mad that um, we're just doing our best. So if you go to opexfit.com, you may see some of our attempts of trying to create some honesty and principles and some truths 
and uh, you know, you might get excited by going there um, to, to, to connect. So, uh, all right. So then just elaborate on that then, like it, what's your vision? So hypothetically, if there was this, this, this fitness utopia that, you know, could be influenced the way you wanted, what, what would that look like just across the population? <laughs> I'm smiling as I pause on it because, um, you know, the, it, it really is, I've, I've kind of turned into this old curmudgeon um, and I'm balancing those, you know, concepts every day. No, but honestly, like, you know, I'm 47. Um, I'll be 50 in a couple of years and I need to see some realities. And, and listen, I'm intelligent enough to look around and see like no one lasts in this game that anyone really fucking cares about after a certain period of time right? That's a repetitive thing that's inside of fitness that will go on and on for a long period of time, right? And I'm not, I'm not unknowable to these things. I don't think I'm going to fucking create a template design that's going to like change the face of fitness. I know about this, right? I also am very aware, um, and it's not pessimism or skepticism or cynicism anymore. I'm very aware of the, you know, of where this shit's going with regards to fitness. And it's not progressive, and it's not upward. Um, all it is, is just more noise that looks like things are improving, but there's so many points that would indicate things are not improving. Right. And one of two of those things is the outrage phenomena that's inside of how people socially connect today. And secondly, we are actually getting more unhealthy and more people are not interested in building families and having more children uh, people are not interested in a bunch of other things that are very clearly, easily, objectively measured. My whole point on the end is that I have turned into a radical uh, deconstructionist with regards to fitness as being the only way it's going to fix things. What I mean by that, and that sounds very dystopic, no, it's utopic, is by educating every new human over time to the aspect of physical sovereignty. So every human has the ability to recognize in their early ages how to take care of themselves physically and nourishment-wise for the rest of their life so that they look at a global gym from 20 years ago and they fucking laugh at it. They laugh at the fact that humans actually had to gather in a big building and do these unconscious approaches thinking they're going to get bigger but really not recognizing they thought they were going to get healthier, but they're only trying to fix their shitty lifestyle of consuming Netflix or consuming outrage media or, or consuming processed foods. Right. So I think that's the only way to fix this long-term vision is to deconstruct this entire thing, to rip down education and the people that own the power of the education. And it's to rip down all of that. How do you do it? You do it by making people recognize it's fucking right in front of you. It's free and you can do it every day. Right. And this does not take a lot of tools. Right. We could even look at some, we can look at us. Right. And, and then, and then strip out all the shit that we thought we learned. And we can probably go back to when we were six or eight and say, you know what? I did get something there with that hockey practice. Or when I did eat some good food, I connected something there. Right. And I connected nourishment. And I connected an opportunity for physical expression. And I think that can be taught at the young ages for individuals that will rise people up. So I'm hoping that by the time these all these kids in future generations, by the time they're 18, 
when they get out of whatever they just got out of, let's call it high school, the notion that you need a personal trainer or that you need to do a fitness class is fucking so old school in adage. It's disgusting, right? So they will be able to go, you know what? I fucking know how to work out, right? It's fucking simple. You just do resistance challenges one day. You do cardio the next fucking easy. You know, how, how do you do that? Well, I went for a run and then the next day I did a whole fucking bunch of pull-ups and dips at the beach. And then the next day I, I, I biked for a long period of time. And then the next day I did some jujitsu. Like, do you see that? How fucking hard was it for me just to, to describe that, right? It's not difficult. So we've made it so fucking complex that I see the only fix to the complexity is not rewiring and rehabbing backwards. I'm exhausted by trying to do that. Instead, you have to be a radical deconstructionist and rip the whole fucking thing apart, which will make people get a little bit more uh, uncomfortable in the interim. But in my opinion, it'll get a lot of us excited on the concept of autonomy which is physical sovereignty and physical freedom. And if we can start giving that to people, we're now giving the power over. We're saying, listen, I'm not, you shouldn't be dependent on me for this knowledge. This shit is simple. It's this fucking patterns, pacing, chew your food, eat locally, uh, think good thoughts. That's it. There's nothing more complex to it, right? Oh, but what about this? There's nothing more complex to it. All this, what about this that you're asking is the market trying to sell you something to be dependent on the system. So that's why I paused earlier. What's the long-term vision? It's essentially to rip the entire system down. Love that, man. Um, that's, that's awesome. It's got me pumped. Um, yeah, no, man. Like, I, I feel like it's not, it's like, a, like a you have that feeling you're ready to run through a brick wall kind of thing. It's like, all right, let's do this. Uh, uh, no, that was, that was great, James. And again, we really appreciate your time coming on here. And I'm glad we're able to dive into some of these topics here. Cause I think there are, uh, there, there are things that I feel like, um, are, are complete, really relevant today for a lot of our listeners who are either in this space as a practitioner or as an athlete or as a coach. And so I'm excited that we got to go through that. Um, and as always, it's always, uh, uh, always great to touch base with you, man. Um, I'll have to get Brandon out to Scottsdale at some point and get him yeah. through this, uh, maybe through CCP and we'll come out in the immersion stuff. And maybe I'll, I'll see if I, we'll see what I can do over on this. Yeah, sure. Or we can just uh, have a too. podcast every now and then we can yeah, uh, just jam on great. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, we appreciate your time, um, and, and you know, really do. This was awesome. Uh, our listeners have not listened to Carl's episode a couple of weeks ago about more of like the specific offerings within OPEX. That's a great chance to learn more about a lot of those things, and and where you can get a lot of this information uh, in in a great medium through through their CCP or through that new or the new Learn RX. So I would encourage everybody if you haven't listened to that, go back and check that out, so you can know a little more about how James and his crew are going about trying to implement a lot of these ideas. So um, as always, we appreciate y'all listening. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and we'll catch y'all next. And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at Better Faster Podcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at Vertex PT and at Vertex Strength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.